Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tron Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, F. Mine. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. This week's conversation features a pair of performers who came up in the 90s and who have followed each other's careers since. Tim Burgess of the Charlatans and Joan Wasser, aka Joan as Policewoman. Tim Burgess has had a fascinatingly diverse career. He first came to prominence as singer of the Charlatans, who were part of the early 90s Manchester scene along with the lights of the Stone Roses and Happy Mondays. But unlike many of their contemporaries, the Charlatans have had a long and prosperous career, releasing more than a dozen albums in addition to Burgess's prolific solo output. This week sees the release of a massive Charlatans box set called A Head Full of Ideas that spans their career and includes hits and rare tracks. Here's a little bit of the recently rediscovered Come On, Come On. In addition to the box set, a charlatan's tour that's just about to start, and a solo album slated for next year, Burgess has kept himself busy through the pandemic with a fun concept he named Tim's Twitter Listening Party. It's simple enough. He coaxes other musicians to essentially live-tweet their own albums, and it's resulted in literally hundreds of sessions with everyone from his UK contemporaries like Oasis and Blur to a session with Sir Paul McCartney himself. A hundred of those parties have now been gathered into a hardcover book, which also includes rare photos from the participants and lots more. One of those hundred featured in the book is Joan Wasser, who also got her start in a 90s band, The Dam Builders, and subsequently launched an incredibly varied career. She was in Antony and the Johnsons for a brief bit. She's recorded a bunch of great records under the name Joan as Policewoman as well. The first of those, 2006's Real Life, knocked Tim Burgess over when he first heard it, as you'll hear in this conversation. Wasser is just about to release an incredible collaborative album that she made with Dave Okomu and Afrobeat pioneer Tony Allen not long before Allen's death last year. It's called The Solution is Restless, which is a pretty perfect title, and it'll be out in November. Check out a little bit of that album's first single, Geometry of You. super chill and loves to meditate. Joan is a total firecracker. They talk about how Joan's album knocked Tim for six. They talk about the myth of Lou Reed. Tim met him as a fan. Joan toured with him. And how Tim, in addition to everything else, has a coffee business. Sort of. Enjoy. I've got a book out today, The Listening Party Book. Today? Today that you're in. And I've not sent you a copy yet. I've not even got a copy myself, but it came out today. So that's great. Oh my God, congratulations. That's that's massive. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, um, you were one of the first people that I I asked to do it. And, well, you know, 
real life, kind of like I, I got that record at a time that I really needed it. So I was really glad that you could tell the world about it and, you know, the detail that you told them in, obviously with tweets, but that's in the book, obviously. So I guess we've known each other since then, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're both still alive, which is like the best part. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how long that was, actually, really, but you would obviously know firsthand. I mean, that record came out in 2006. It's been a while. It has. Yeah, so that, that's what's happened. The, you know, the, the, the listening party book's uh, out today. Yeah, so tell me, how did you come up with that idea? I actually saw a version of it on TV Riz Ahmed, the actor, was talking about um, Four Lions, the film that he made. And he said that if you watch it on Channel 4 tonight, I'll tweet along uh, a little bit as it goes through. And I'll, you know, tell you that the, you know, the take that they use of me getting into the car was actually the one where I laughed the least. And I thought, that's really great. That's really interesting. I should apply this to the Charlatans records. So I, I asked... I had about 6,000 followers on Twitter then. It was, you know, like 10 years ago. And uh, I asked if they'd like me to do to tweet along to a charlatan's record. And, and people seemed to say, well, they said, yeah. And, and I did it. And people seemed to like it. So I did the second album and the third. And, you know, and then after I'd done them all, maybe six months later, I just did them all again. And as, as my Twitter numbers went up, you know, people, more people got into it. And then obviously with lockdown, it became a different thing when I asked some other people to to use my platform as well. And, and then we could share it to my Twitter followers and the artist taking parts followers. And, and it just seemed to really hit home during the first lockdown. It was such a wonderful distraction to have to do that. Well, what I liked about yours is that I mean, I'm not saying that you, I mean, you were, you were into the idea, you know, you, you were into okay. the, it was like, oh yeah, 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 I'll do it. Thanks. You know, thanks for asking and, you know, and, 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 and all that. But then your feeling after you'd done it was kind of like, was the feeling that, you know, I was trying to get out to the world. It was like, oh my God, it's flipping mind blowing. It's like, it just feels like, you know, such a, well, I don't know. I mean, to me, I'm a meditator and I meditate on my own which is great. Sometimes I meditate yeah. with 10 people. That's amazing. Yeah. With 100 people, I've done it with 100 people and it's just mind melting, you know, and, and that's what it feels like to me when you just got all these people around listening to the same thing at the same time, you know, approximately the same time, a couple of seconds in between, I suppose, <laughs> you know, and someone who made the record. It really brought me back to when I made the record because I had to like think about what happened at the time. Of course. And like prep like, some, <laughs> some words because it goes so fast. Like, oh, th at this moment, this horn arrangement written by this person yeah. comes in, you know, or whatever. And th that was just so nice. And I mean, thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah. It's kept me relatively sane during the, the you know a, a very strange time and it's given me something to talk about when I meet people you know so it's kind of quite good. <laughs> so what is the book exactly? Well it is pretty much with the exception of an intro from me and um, a kind of intro from Bonehead and a, a kind of summary by Pete Perfides it's a hundred artists tweets including you and Paul McCartney and Kylie Minogue <laughs> And Oasis mm -hmm. and Blur and Fatboy Slim, Chemical Brothers, mm. Franz Ferdinand, Wolf Alice, Churches, 
Just, yeah. It's just kind of like everybody, well, only 100, but... That's a lot. Yeah. But I have to explain about how into that album I was. Your 2006 album. I did kind of follow you up and down the country a little bit when you came, when you, when you came, when you came to um, England. Uh, so I definitely saw you in Manchester and I'm pretty sure I saw you in London. Well, did you play Shepherd's Bush? And I saw, yeah. I saw you there. And then I, I think we reconnected in Belgium after a little bit of time. Well, that album, yeah. but that album just like knocked me for six. It really did. And I got the sing- singles. What was happening in your life? It was either just before or just after I I was an alcoholic and I had to stop. Um, or I think it was an alcoholic, but I definitely had to stop. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and um, drugs as well. And that record just like, it just... You know, now and again through life, there's there's a, there's lots of records that you love, but there's a handful that really kind of you know help you through. And that, and that you know you know the song Eternal Flame and you know uh, Ride and you know and, and stuff like that. Just like I'd never heard anything like it before, and I wasn't expecting it either, which is amazing. I, I can't remember it was the, the guy from PS, Andreas from PS, was it? Um, mm-hmm. I think so. And he just handed it to me, and I, and I was in his apartment in Paris. And um, I was looking at it and he just played it. And it was just like, wow, it's like really. So I was still drinking because I was there with uh, Carl from the Libertines. Um, and, and we were a right mess. <laughs> but, but then, but then yeah. you know, slowly and surely, but the record stayed with me for life. So Wow. You know, what's incredible about that is that, so that record came out in 2006. So I had begun writing it in the middle of 2004. I was on, on tour with Rufus Wainwright. I was opening the shows with some of the songs that hadn't been recorded yet that were going to be on the record and stuff. And I had recorded a lot of the basics. So with the drums, the bass, and me playing Whirly and doing like a scratch vocal. And I was also... Uh, drinking and using drugs way, way too much. And I was getting to the point where I was going to probably lose my life, you know, if I didn't stop. And indeed, in late 2004, I stopped. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, which is, I mean, which, you know, I... I, I I thought I was never going to write anything again and my life was going to end and I was going to be a spinster and that, you know, what we find out is that actually then our lives get so much better because we're not crippled by this stuff. So I had recorded the basics and I had like started doing lots of overdubs, like Anoni had come in and sang her part on I Defy and like I had done tons of my singing and stuff. And what had happened after... I quit everything, is the hard drive crashed. No. And blew up and was gone. But the the basics of, of the bass and drums were, were still there because they were on tape. Oh, thank goodness. But I had to do all my parts over, <laughs> not wasted. I had to do it all over again in this other frame of mind. And of course it made the record what it was because I had already done it once. It was like a trial run. And then I had to record everything again. I wonder whether it was the clarity of you not drinking that related to me post me doing the same thing. I don't know. 
It might have been. Or maybe maybe they're just because they're just like kick-ass songs, you know. Thank you. I was <laughs> <laughs> oh. so into it. And anyway, yeah, that's I, I've never really told you that. So I thought I'd save it for for this, you know. <laughs> Thanks for telling me. It's that so makes me feel really just really happy. Because, of course, I didn't know either what the hell was going to... I had never made my own records. You know, I didn't know... It. I didn't know Tim Burgess was going to hear it. <laughs> I, like, I figured my brother and my good friends would hear it, you know. But anyone beyond that, who knew? That's the amazing, amazing thing about records that travel. It still blows me away that people hear my stuff from all over the world. It's amazing. I remember hearing about the charlatans. I was living in Boston and I was working at a dance club in the coat check. Oh, wow. And this was like in 1990. (laughs) I was all into sort of like, I don't know, like a lot of heavy music and like a lot of also like really getting into soul music at that point. And the manager of the dance club was like, so into like he was like you have to hear it's the manchester sound (laughs) and he would just play it non-stop the all of the songs and he sort of indoctrinated us you know it was like actually this is what's cool listen to it you little you know shitty hardcore kids like this is what's cool listen to this you think you're so cool listen to this (laughs) this is what's cool so that was like the first time i I heard you and the the other band. I remember hearing the name In Spiral Carpets. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good friends of mine. I was like, excuse me? I was like... <laughs> what was the club? Was it, it wasn't Paradise, was it? No, it was a club called Venus de Milo. And it was a, it was a dance club. And it was right next to a, cl- uh, a bar called Bill's Bar that I oh, Yeah, also- no, Bill's Bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no. yeah I, 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 think, I think I know Venus de Milo as well, but... Yeah, yeah. I used to cocktail waitress there. It, like, I got through school by working at both of those places. And they were owned by the same person next to each other. Is a cocktail waitress at Bill's Bar. And I used to work the coat check at Venus de Milo. And that's where I heard you. So thank you. Thanks for remembering. Oh, impossible <laughs> to forget. Impossible. <laughs> I was just thinking, what's outside of your window? I was just it's like, it just looks so bright and so beautiful. Well, it's interesting that you ask, because when I moved here, a lot of people wouldn't visit me because it was too deserted, deserted. I live in Brooklyn. And in this in this area, it was too deserted. Oh, I, I feel worried about coming over there because there's like, who you know, there's nothing over there except for me. Okay, fine. And since I moved here... The developers have decided it's the most interesting place on earth. And yeah. they are building 11 40 story high rises. Wow. Too many. It's, too many. It's awful in the morning. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, awful yeah. in the morning. I have a white noise machine that I use. I, and idea. oh, yeah, and fan and the air conditioning because it gets really hot in New York City. So that way I feel like I'm sort of in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> you know, and and therefore I, I'm I'm sometimes able to sleep through it. But I mean that's what happens in New York. But I still have sunlight. I'm actually West London at the moment, but it's it's temporary. It's uh, my friend's flat. It's just letting mm. me let, let me stay here for a bit. But you're talking about uh, being a, a godmother as well. Is that is that right? 
I have two godchildren. One, a girl. She's like maybe 18 now, something. Wow. Yeah, she lives She lives in Paris. She's way cooler than me, obviously. She's an 18-year-old who lives in Paris. And that's, yeah, that's the daughter of one of my really good friends. And then I have a godson who just turned one. Wow. That's so great. And, yeah, it is really great because I have been forced into loving a baby. Yeah. Babies have not been my favorite thing in the past, mostly just because the screaming stresses me out so much. It's supposed to elicit this kind of response from a human being because you're supposed to pay attention to that thing when it's screaming and yelling. But the fact is this baby is just smiling all the time. Oh, well, I've got an eight-year-old, so I'm a a dad, and his... his, um... His godmother is uh, Cozy Fanny Tootie. Oh, yeah. And uh, she's, <laughs> she's, she's very good. And wow. Chris Carter, godfather. I've just been with him today, and uh, we're going to get haircuts tomorrow, so that should be quite fun. Okay, that's amazing. Does he have style like you have, Tim? Because Well, he's cooler than I am. Obviously. Because Always. he brings Fortnite and Minecraft into the whole equation, which is kind of like, you know, it's... You know, it's, 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 it's the future, so, um, you know, and he's got, he's got his dances and he talks about skins all the time. I did not know you were a dad. Mm. Amazing. Well, I don't know how good of a dad I am, but I'm, you know, more I think every dad, <laughs> every dad thinks that, though. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. But hopefully I'm, hopefully I'm an okay dad. <laughs> I have a feeling you're pretty great. What are your haircuts going to look like? Because I know you have. You can really rock a haircut. I don't know whether you can tell, but it's, it's, a, it's, a little, it's a little bit long, even for me. I, I like to hide behind my fridge, fringe. I've always, you know, I've done that. But it's a bit too long. It's a bit irritating. So I'm going to get that cut. And he wants, like, a short back and sides and, uh, like, a, he uh-huh. wants a, a soldier's haircut. <laughs> right. Because because he's eight, you know. Tight. But Tight. He, he, has a, he normally has a what he calls a bowlhead, you know. Like you. Yeah, like me, because he's had it since he was a baby like that. And now, wow. he's rebe- now he's rebelling. First, first rebellious hairstyle. He wants to look like a soldier. That's a hot style, though. That's going to look amazing. I'm just hoping he becomes a musician and sort of like, you know, struggles through it all like we do. You know. Oh, boy. Wow. Does he play music yet? He's got drums and he, he wants to be a singer like me, he said. Yeah. If you can call it that, but and uh, he, <laughs> he, he um, likes piano, so oh great! I, I can I'll, I'll put him your way. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, That's which great. Would be great. I am a self-taught piano player, so That's I just so I just yeah. literally like work it out. Like I don't even really know the names of the chords or anything. It's just all by ear. I enjoy watching your back uh, when you play the piano. I don't know whether you know that, but it's kind of interesting. What happens back? there well it kind of like your head sort of goes you know you're really into it it's really amazing and you know it's just like really enjoying watching how into it you were by what your back was doing you know it's mm. kind of quite i thought it was quite interesting mm. can i explain it probably not but it was kind of you know just I don't know your whole body was into it it was beyond the body yeah yeah I, I mean i studied dance as a kid and was planning on being a dancer and then my knees went wrong and i had yeah. started playing violin and in in elementary school because they yeah. offered it and i was like okay well i like this thing to you so know it was your first thing and you took to that quite well i know i know you play it 
you know, but I've never seen you play it live, but yeah just guitar and piano yeah yeah i mean it's so much nicer to play guitar and piano because you can accompany yourself playing violin and singing is like the dixie chicks can do it but they're and spe- i leave they're, it to they're, them they're, they're, you know they're special they are special they are special uh i think i might have to bring it on the tour for this album that's coming out in november because there's so many strings on it that i did so I may have to bring it and I will torture everyone with my violin playing. And I did love it when I started it. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you start the violin early enough, you don't know how awful it sounds. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't feel hard because violin, we know it's such a difficult instrument to play. Yeah, but yeah. when you're when you're young enough, it's a, nothing's hard because you have no, no reference true. point. So I'm really thankful I, I started it when I was eight. I played one gig with the string section, but at the roundhouse, I couldn't hear anything. Mm. I don't know why. Mm. It all just went, it seemed to go up all, all uh, in the air and it's like the, the it's, hard, it's hard, to, hard to find the pitch for me. Anyway, okay, I heard through a little bird that came in and went tweet, 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 tweet. Tim has a coffee company. Well, it's no. Uh, What's it's happening? Kind of. Well, is it a coffee company? No. No. Okay, I'm wrong. But, the bird was wrong. Uh, no, the bird was the bird was uh, yeah. The bird had picked up some information, but not all of it. I, <laughs> I, I um, uh, okay. How did it start? So when I, I was trying to work out how to use Twitter after just posting stuff about when I'm playing next, or you know, yeah. hey, I've got a yeah. new record coming out. Yeah. I just. Uh, I just one morning I just post anyone want a coffee, and I got like a hundred responses saying yes please I'll have a cappuccino yes please I'll have a latte with frappuccino blah blah blah, um, and it just got into this whole thing of of, um, of me doing it every morning you know and then someone decided that I should have a you know an imaginary coffee shop and then I decided that it needed to be more than imaginary so I was offered an information centre at a festival. It's an information centre all year round, apart from for three days at Kendall Calling Festival, where it became Tim Peaks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, uh, yes. and we served coffee and we had bands and people were doing readings and, and, you know, DJs and stuff like that. It only held 180 people, but it became like the, a real central part of this festival. Been doing it for 10 years. Uh, uh, make coffee. All the proceeds go to the David Lynch Foundation because of because I took pretty much nicked the name off him, and also because I'm a meditator and, and it kind of yeah. you know, the whole yep. idea of the bean being you know fair trade and 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 actually doing good from the moment that it's picked to to and and it just made for a good thought process for me. I'm obsessed with coffee. You don't understand. I'm I'm obsessed with coffee and like I have a really good friend that has that goes to Costa Rica and go, goes to all the places and checks yeah. out his yeah. his um his place is called Coffee Mob. Coffee Mob. If you're ever in town. Oh yeah. Coffee well, uh, Mob. Amazing. Amazing coffee. I'll definitely 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 check it out. I mean, it's important to me. It's very important to me. Yeah. How did you get into meditating? Well, after quitting alcohol and drugs, I found it okay. 
day to day living, I felt a bit broken. Yeah. You know, I yeah, felt yeah, like, yeah. you yep. know, I was like, yeah. it's like, it's like, yes, I've got a body, but I can't really feel anything on, on the inside anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and um, yeah. so, you know, a, a year or so after, I had, I had this party in my flat in London and, and everyone was there and everyone was doing drugs and, you know, like a track would be on like for 10 seconds and then someone would change it and it'd just be changed and be changed and be changed and be changed and change and change and change. So I just went and sat as far away from the computer as possible and in the, in the other far, right. far, far corner of the of the very small room of the flat. And a, and a friend came over, um, my friend Amy, and she said, have you ever heard about Transcendental Meditation? And I said, I have, because uh, I used to watch the Beatles and my favourite bit was always when the Maharishi came, you know, when they went to yeah. India and made the White yeah. Album. Also, I've heard of it through David Lynch, who's like another one of my all-time favourite people. And, and uh, she said, why? And she yeah. said, oh, well, uh, I have a friend who teaches it and I reckon you'd love it. Two days later, did it, loved it, and I've done it ever since, twice a day, uh, every day, you know. That's amazing. So that, that's it. And, you know, I mean, I don't really go around telling everybody, but uh, if anybody asks, you know, I, I find it hard to shut up about it, really. How has it changed your life? <laughs> um, yeah, it has um, so much because uh, I, I, feel, I, I just feel the same. You know, every day I feel the same. That's probably through not being being smashed all the time as well. But yeah, so I wake up and 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 I feel tired, and then I meditate and I feel alive, and then uh, I go through the day and and I feel tired about six o'clock in the afternoon, and then meditate and and then I can have the rest of the evening feeling pretty good. And my day to day stuff is just pretty well organized after the first meditation it just feels like a like a filing cabinet wow and and uh, I, I just do stuff in order not by writing lists or anything like that just by by how my kind of brain is set from doing the first meditation of the day yeah it sounds like a like a recharge yeah yeah exactly or a reboot I feel that I'm just at a constant level um, and certainly before I was kind of very up and down, you know. It's it's so hard not to be up and down because our world is so up and down and sort of thrives off of up and down. Like here, I'm going to take you really high, and then I'm going to, you know, drop you down on your, you know, on your head like as hard as possible. Yeah. I mean, that's like how the news is set up. How all the social media. I mean, it's crazy. I try not to get too involved in that. I mean, I did for a while. Just was obsessive and then going down wormholes and YouTube, yep. YouTube wormholes and stuff like that. But yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've kicked all that. That's great. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the Talk House podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of the Talk House is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. They also make it easy to upload lyrics and metadata, 
and to track your earnings and share them with your bandmates and co-writers. You can even snap on extras like Instant Share, which allows for easy collaboration. The DistroKid app makes it all a seamless experience that will save you a ton of time that would be better spent making music. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Head over to the App Store to download it. All bands and artists have jobs, right? Jobs they do like, others they don't. Times they're fucked up and they've had to face the boss with rosy cheeks and the tails between their legs. 101 Part-Time Jobs is the podcast where we hear those stories. I've had some killer guests on, like The Chisel, Chastity Belt, Real Estate, Kurt Vile, Mannequin Pussy, and so many more. If you subscribe to 101 Part-Time Jobs podcast, you'll be getting two episodes weekly. That's a promise. See you soon. Okay, so wait a minute. We both have records coming out soon. You have a five CD. What's happening? Tell me. Yeah, so, well, uh, so Charlatans have got a five vinyl uh, box set coming out and a seven inch in there as well. So it's it's six in total. It's a uh, greatest hits plus a live stuff, which is uh, mm-hmm. fantastic. Right from 1990, uh, early days with Rob mm-hmm. and John, John in the band until uh, until now. And then uh, it's remixes and then kind of like um, sort of demos and all that kind of stuff as well. It took a while to do it, you know, and it's kind of like very enjoyable putting it all together. Good. So the and then, yeah, I've been doing a solo record during the last few months and that's coming on pretty well as well, I think. And Great. how about yours? How about yours? Is that... Is that ready to go now or? So it's getting released November 5th. Wow. Yeah, the first single came out maybe a month and a half ago called Take Me to Your Leader. I wrote it about Jacinda Ardern, the woman that runs New Zealand. Oh, I, th- I, I heard that on um, Six Music. Oh, cool. Cool, yeah. yeah. Thank God for Mark Riley and Lauren yeah, yes. and all of those total studs over there. I love them so much. <laughs> He has been so supportive right from the beginning. I yeah. I adore him. So, you know, it's a it's a record that I made with uh, tracks that I made with Tony Allen. And Tony Allen, drummer for Fela Kuti. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Dave Okumu, who lives in London, who plays guitar and bass and produces his own stuff and other people's stuff. And I had met him through a Gil Scott Heron tribute. Oh, wow. And well, actually, I had met him a long time before that, but we actually got to got to work together through that. He was MDing that and I was part of that. And we it was just like from then on, it's like, how can we figure out how to play together? You know, we're going to have yeah. it. And so when Tony agreed to to, uh, to record with me, I thought, oh, I got to get David Kumu as the third. And we um, we recorded like the whole night in, in Paris in late 2019. I purposely did not write anything before. I just wanted to jam. So we just played together freely for a number of hours. And I left with the tracks and, you know, hoped I was going to be able to write a record from it at some point. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, now is the time. So you had like just a big like breadth of material of improvisational sort of things? Yes. Yeah. So I did tons of editing. It was extremely labor intensive, but I had all the time. How long for were you uh, were you playing together? 
I don't know, like an hour and a half, had a big dinner, played another hour, like, but stopping and starting, you know? Um, And like, so some of the songs are just a drum loop that I wrote a whole song over. And then some of them, more of the material is retained where I kept Dave on bass, me on keys, and then, you know, did, did a lot of editing to create song forms and like, you know, wrote lots of chord changes over it and stuff. So it was it was really fun because I had this time I never would have had to do all this editing. I did, because I have the, a home studio here, I did tons of string arrangements, which I never would have time have time to do, honestly. I did all my vocals here in my home studio at like 3 a.m., you know, because <laughs> I'm a night night person yeah quiet as well quiet yes that's right it's quiet i don't have those uh 40-story high-rises being built (laughs) at 3 a.m so (laughs) so that record's coming out in november i'm really excited about that are you going to tour on the anthology on your uh retrospective yes retrospective november and december Mm, great and then so i put a solo album out in may so after march in may last may last may Okay, yeah. And um, obviously had a tour ready for it. And yeah. I, I played four dates in New York. That was it. And then I was supposed to play in South by Southwest. Um, but that got cancelled, obviously. And it, well, like everything did. And um, I'm actually just starting. I'm just doing that tour at the end of this month. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting to finally play the songs. So I look forward to that. And then, and then Charlatans. And then that's the end of the year, I suppose. I also had a record come out last May, my second covers record. Right, had all these yes. dates to play. Yeah. I guess I'll try to play some of those songs on the touring that got moved and stuff. So, I mean, it's just like like you said, there's so much <laughs> there's so much going on. I think you and I share this love for bringing people together. I mean, you did that on the listening parties. I've the the times I've seen you have been at festivals or at tributes where there's all these artists around and everyone's intermingling and collaborating and stuff. And like, I mean, I just that is so such a special thing for me. It's great to sort of like uh, you know uh, for one night only uh, to be neighbors with Joan, you know, and uh, and <laughs> and Alexis from Hot Chip, and and yeah, it's it's great to sort great, of be, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I love playing festivals, not for to actually play, but to see who's kind of like who uh, who's going to be there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just sort of hang out. Yeah, and get and get surprised by people, and like like oh wow, they're not at all how I thought they would be. No, that's that, that's really interesting, isn't it? It is. It is really interesting. Yeah, it's great. I um, was next to David Bowie once. Uh, um, who's jealous? That would be me. Well, it is probably the best. Not not the best person I've been next to backstage at a festival, but one of the, you know one of the best. You know, who would be maybe better the best, than that? Maybe the best. Who would be better than David Bowie? Who? <laughs> Literally, uh, who's better? No, no, there probably isn't. So okay. anyway, anyway, so I said to him, "Hey, David, uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm Tim. I'm in I'm in the band. We're just going on before you." And he goes, and he said, uh, "I know." I was like, "Oh, I thought that was like the most amazing thing. Aww. It was so cool." I just thought that he would be like, 
I thought he would have said, I don't care. But he's so not like that. I never met him, but in every interview, he's so aware and he's so in touch and he's like paying attention all the time. So, I mean, he gave clues that he was like a, an enormously beautiful man. I just thought that I was probably giving off sort of weird vibes or something because I was probably so nervous. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but he was, it was, it was, it was very, it was very cool. We started talking about like, I don't know, his helicopter. <laughs> and his suit and stuff that he was going to be wearing. And uh, and then he played at the Alawite Festival, so it's was, it was, it was fantastic. But did you play with Lou Reed? I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I you did. I played with him a bunch, but then I got to go on tour with him. Yeah. Opening for him and then playing in his band uh, and singing in his band, which was so fun because I got to sing... do 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 Yes, I did. And literally every time I was about to sing it, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> is, am I going to be able to open my mouth? Is, is the sound going to come out? Like, like almost like a, a sick to my stomach. I was just like, ah. you know, I mean, it was because how many times have I heard the song? How many times in how many different places yeah, yeah, in my yeah, yeah. life, in the car, yeah. on my bike? You know, in like a club, in like you know, and 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 the time would come, and the sound would come out, and I was just like, "Thank you, Lord." <laughs> I, love, I see. I mean, Lou, Lou for me, it's just like he's 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 my, my favorite of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I asked him for an autograph in Manchester. It was it was just at the train station, sat on his own. Yeah. And I yeah. and I asked him for an autograph because it took it took me a while to go and do it. You know, I had to figure out whether it was definitely him. It was. I mean, no one else yeah. looked like him. Yeah, no yeah. one was really give it was like around about the time of um kind of like set the twilight reel in, you know, kind of it, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, nineties, you know. And um yeah. I said, um, Hi, uh Lou, can I get your autograph? And he turned around and goes, If I fucking must <laughs> And then I was like, Okay, <laughs> Okay, uh, I'll just go and get a pen then, and then and then it was and, and after, from that moment it was amazing. But um, yeah, but yeah. but I, I just got the full on kind of like Lou what yeah. I always read about. Right? Yeah, so yeah. Brilliant. Well, he is a famous. He is famously curmudgeonly. I always feel like he was like that because he was such an incredibly sensitive person that like getting so much all the time was was too much you know i feel like he was so raw you can hear it in his music yeah so ripped open all the time that to have to have like a lot of like i mean he was like i mean it's well known that he really hated the press doing interviews and you know being picked at uh you know was not something he loved but you know i mean to hear him say, if I fucking must, in that deadpan. Yeah. I mean, come on, you're never oh, yeah. going to no, forget oh, that. No. And, and I was the only one around. <laughs> I was the only uh, yeah. one around. It was just yeah. for me. It was just yeah. for me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So did you talk to him further after that or no? It, it was just really nice. He goes, oh, you know, give me the pen. Give me the pen. You know, it's like that guy. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. like, he's a sweetheart, actually. I was still too, you know, I, I was a bit. Yeah, I kind of run off pretty quick after that. Though. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a little scary. 
but um <laughs> but you know it's, it's 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 still good it's a good story yeah yeah it is and i love that record as well set the twilight railing so that's yeah like, that's, a, that's a big one I, I like the metallica one as well I'm a big, big that was out. the record that uh that we toured on and oh was it yeah, yeah, and... G- was, uh, junior Dad, it's like Junior Dad, Junior Dad was incredible. And I have to say that the band that he was touring with, okay, I don't want to diss anyone, but, like, mm-hmm. they were just a lot more my style of playing than Metallica yeah. were. So yeah, yeah. They, they made that music so live in this way that was not on the recordings. They made it really beautiful. And so it was really fun to play the songs off that record because of the musicians that were on the tour. Do you know how it was even made, that record? Did Lou have all the songs and the lyrics and Metallica just played the, or, you know, or was it like something that, I, I just don't know anything about it apart from the fact that I own the record. I don't know anything about yeah. it. Yeah, I know he had had a lot of the words written previously, and I know he really poured over getting the lyrics right. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I know he really enjoyed working with them. I was never in a, a trailer backstage next to him, so, I mean, you're right, David Bowie is the best. So what next? What next? Yeah, so I just started rehearsing with my band for the first time after over a year and a half. Uh, And because this record that I made has never been played live, we have to figure out how to do it. Uh, You know, there's like tons of vocals on there because I had all that time, so many harmony vocals and backup vocals and, and stuff. And so, and so many parts. I mean, it's just like, I did it over such a period of time that I would just add more stuff. Oh, this needs a pan. Oh, this needs an organ. This needs more strings. This so we're figuring out how to how to play that record right now, which is so. I mean, rehearsing is one of my favorite things of all time. It's maybe even more fun than playing live wow, wow, <laughs> because there's wow. no pressure. You know, yeah. You, you just get to make music with like your favorite people. Yeah, I like a little bit of rehearsing, but I'm more about the actual, yeah, on the night thing. The night is the most important thing, but I do love working stuff out. Yeah, I mean, I've got more into it, um, the more solo records I've, I've been doing. Yeah, and when do you leave for tour? Well, I think it's the end of September, so I'm pretty sure we'll start rehearsing in a week or so. Wow. Yeah, and there's like seven of us, so it's kind of... Seven? I know. It's what pretty. is the instrumentation? So it's um, so synth and and piano, uh, so two keyboards, um, drums, bass, guitar. I'm playing guitar as well, violin. Wow. As well, so I think that's seven. That is seven. I counted. <laughs> oh, good. Wow, I wish I could see that show. Well, I'll take some film. That's great. Okay, so let's. We should both go meditate right now and have a, an incredible rest of our day. I'll think about you while I'm meditating. I'll be sending, I'll be sending vibes, and I really can't wait for your record. And thanks so much for doing this. And I'll see you in a porter cabin, probably somewhere yes. in Europe. <laughs> yes, exactly. In front of like weird beverages that are sponsored in a refrigerator and like yes. strange. 
food stuffs that are made of plastic. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's so fun to talk to you. You too, Joan. So great to see you. I can't wait to hear your new record, too. Yeah, I can't wait to hear yours, too. Yeah. Okay. Take care. Th- thanks for doing it. Okay, love you. Yeah, love bye. you, too. Bye, bye, bye. bye Joan. Take care. Bye, see you. Thanks for listening to the TalkHouse podcast, and thanks to Tim Burgess and Joan Wasser for chatting. If you like what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite podcasting services and social media outlets. This episode was produced by Melissa Kaplan, and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.